I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hi, everybody. This is Bitches on Comics, the podcast where you ask us questions about comics and comic-adjacent materials, and we answer them. I'm Sarah Century. And I'm Essie Fleenor. Thanks for joining us. So today we want to talk about how we read comics. And I want to preface this with the fact that we are United States bound. (laughs) Comic books are very different anywhere you go from what I understand. We don't have a lot of import over here. It's Mm -hmm. really hard to get comics that are in other languages it seems like a lot of people aren't that interested or something, or maybe there's just not a lot of availability. Whatever that is, we want to work on that. So if you have recommendations for comics that are not easily available in the U.S., any kind of way that we can read comics that aren't necessarily, you know, American, I guess, (laughs) just flat out American, I guess. If you go to a comic store here, you're pretty much just going to see things that are published here. Outside of some manga. Outside of manga. And, you know, there's like, there's the few exceptions to the rule. But generally, when we talk about this, we're saying things that are US centric. We don't necessarily want it to be that way, but it's just the perspective that we're coming at. So I, I have access to two apps that I read a lot of comic books on. I do both DC Universe and Marvel Unlimited. It means that I don't read a lot of comics that are actively coming out unless I borrow them from Sarah or if I like happen to be in a, a comic book shop. I really am a homebody. I'm a Taurus. It's like we're notorious for this. I should also like caveat, you're going to hear about astrology. It's going to happen. <laughs> Sarah knows everything. She hates when I say that, but I just kind of want to say it more 
because it like makes her feel anxious. I don't know, that's mean, but also funny. As a Taurus, I love my home. I love being inside my home. I love how my home looks. I love that there are walls around me that strangers can't just like come through and talk to me. And when they do come and knock on my door, I make my partner answer the door. So uh, I don't know what I was going to say there. It was going to be a lie. And I'm not going to lie to you listeners. But yeah, so street being able to like have on demand as long as my Wi-Fi is working. A steady stream of comic books has been great for me. It's also, again, if you've been listening, you know I'm a lot newer to comics than Sarah is. So it's really helpful for me to catch up on things. I'm also addicted to everything. So I don't like to change stories. I want to read a comic book from beginning to end and just power through it. Right now I'm going through a dive on Ironheart, starting with Invincible Iron Man, which has been super cool, but I can't wait to get to the comics where Eve Ewing is writing instead of, I think it's Bendis who writes mm-hmm. writes her first. I mean, I'm not here to hate Bendis, at least for the most part. He created her. Uh, yeah, I mean, okay, th- thank you. Great <laughs> job. You're fantastic. I have found those really, really helpful. The thing that I don't think that's going to help with, and again, that's part of why we're doing the podcast is that uh, sequencing changes so often in comic books. If you're familiar, you're probably like, oh, no biggie. But if you're new to comic books, there are like eight Captain Marvel ones, at least. Like there's probably 60. Stop, start, stop. Stop, start, stop, start. So then you're like, okay, well, wait, I'm, I want to read the Captain Marvel Kelly Sudaconic. And it's like, okay, well, what year did it happen? Where? Where are you going to get access to it? All those pieces. So again, having those apps is really helpful. I also read a lot of web comics. Again, having something on demand is really helpful. And there's a lot of really, really cool stuff happening in web comics that isn't happening in mainstream. Um, not that... Marvel and DC are the only other published option. I, I read some other stuff that's by indie comics, but again, those I get from the library. So again, they're behind. I read through both of those, and it's about, I think it's $18 a month or so. It's under 20 If you don't have $20 a month, you could always go to your local library. Heck We're yeah. very pro-library here. We love libraries. And also, if you don't have, if you have any kind of transportation issues of getting to your library, we have the Overdrive app where you can check out ebooks and read all kinds of stuff. In addition to both the DC and Marvel apps, I would highly recommend getting Overdrive because it allows you to look at a lot more independent comics. Besides all of those platforms, we have Comixology which is done through Amazon, which is not always great. So be forewarned. You could maybe or don't. It's up to you on that one. Comixology does have a lot of access to a lot of things that aren't necessarily easily available through a lot of other apps. So that's nice. Visit your local comic store to buy comics pretty much any time that you can. That way you're getting the most recent things. You can kind of look at the things that are on the stand. You can have conversations with people. Yeah. If you can find a great comic store, that is worth its weight in gold. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and something that you do, Sarah, right, is you have a pull list. So mm-hmm. they pull for you every week. Yeah. Uh, if you're not familiar with that term, will you just break down pull lists? Absolutely. So everybody doesn't like the idea of how comics do their business. Essentially what happens is Diamond Distributors has kind of a monopoly on the system. They kind of get to pick and choose what is available to comic creators. In the 80s, there was this thing called the direct market that came to be where all of the grocery stores and newsstands and all of those places that would regularly sell comic books no longer were selling them because they went direct market. So you had to sell directly to comic stores. That turned out to be a pretty terrible business plan over (laughs) the last several years, decades even. But... 
What it means is that in any kind of a subscription service, any kind of, you know, I want to buy every issue of this comic, you have to order them in advance, which is a terrible idea, but it is the operation that we're working with. So if you want to read Captain Marvel, you got to go to the store, maybe find it on the shelves, maybe find it in the back issues. But if you want it as it's coming out, you want it to be guaranteed. You talk to the guy at the counter, the lady at the counter, the gender neutral person at the counter, and you say, I would like to get a pull list and they will reserve that comic for you. You'll be able to come in every Wednesday and pick up new comics. Don't not pick up your pull list. That is actually a really, really strong dick move. So don't. No but strong dicks wanted here. Not not a one. And <laughs> <laughs> and it's just in general, if you order something, please go pick it up. They'll lose money if you don't. So make sure you're going to be able to go get it. Make sure you cancel it if you're not going to be able to get it. But you can just make a list of things and have them show up. The comic dealer will pull them aside for you. And you can walk up to the counter with full confidence and say, I'm here for my pull list. You have to say it like that, though, or they're not going to give it to you. So you got to put on a little bit of that, like, halter. You've got to say it as if you were Gloria Swanson in Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> and you were telling somebody about the monkey that you lived with for 20 years that you are now having embalmed. Okay, Sarah, what comics <laughs> would Gloria Swanson read? Oh... <gasps> Good God. Um, Glorious, you mean Norma Desmond, of course, of Sunset Boulevard fame. I think that she would be really into romance comics from the Mm. 50s. And she might dabble her toe in maybe a Western every now and again. She might be into some parody work. Mm. But I don't think she's going to go near a superhero comic to save her life. So we've got a question here from Nier. What is the best course of action for an older fan to help newer fans get into comics and specifically help them when they want to know about characters that might be prominent but never really get their own arc or story that's centered on them? But first off, Nier, thank you for this fabulous question and for deciding to be like such an amazing supporter of other comics readers. We really admire that. That's pretty dope. Out there doing the advocacy work. Yes, hold a hand. Each one, teach one. So one way, obviously, to help fans get into comics is to have them follow our podcast, Bitches on Comics. (laughs) That's what we're here for. You can also really follow any podcast that's really focused on comics um, and encourage folks to do that. I think it's a nice, easy way to get into comics. The ones that I was thinking of were um, Black Comics Chat, uh, Comics Couples Counseling, Tighten Up the Defense was one that Sarah had mentioned. And they're just a really, podcasts are a great easy way to get readers connected to a community of readers and creators in a really passive way. What other podcasts do you like, Sarah? I like to listen to Explain the X-Men, which is the best, and Xavier (laughs) Files and the Arkham Sessions, which is all about Batman psychology. There's a ton of podcasts out there, though, that do really good explanation work. So if you have an interest of a comic of any kind, there's like an Aquaman podcast that I've used for research many times. There's like just basically all of the characters. I think there's a new Doom Patrol podcast out there right now. I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah, I know. Love me some Doom Patrol. (laughs) 
Um, that's fantastic. Yeah, I think it's really about making a soft landing for people when it comes to comics, especially people who are new. Another really cool resource that I like is the local library. We're located here in Denver and um, you can work with the library wherever you are or any other literacy organization. A lot of them do provide personalized reading lists or at least a grab list. They might have comic books for YA, comic books for middle grade. But Denver Public Library does one that's really personalized. So all you have to do is go to denverlibrary.org backslash reads. There's just like a little form you fill out and then they send you a personalized reading list. And I know this because that's how I found uh, the graphic literature of Blankets, Persepolis, and the work of Julia Wirtz, which is really, really funny. One thing that I do struggle with a lot is this exact thing, is trying to find somebody. People will be like, oh, what are the good Jean Grey stories? And I'm like, I love Jean Grey because I've read 500 comics about (laughs) Jean Grey where she kind of pops up, sometimes in the forefront, very seldom. Most of the time she's kind of in the background. Or even when comics do focus on her, you have like the Dark Phoenix saga. Mm. Even in the Dark Phoenix saga, though the it is named after her, it's more about what the X-Men do around her. Mm-hmm. As far as that goes, Jean Grey has a lot of good stories. So she's kind of like the obvious example, but she's out there all over the place. Mm-hmm. We At this point, we have X-Men Red, X-Men Season 1. <laughs> There's tons and tons and tons of stuff now. But for characters, this comes up all the time. You have Zatanna. Where do you point somebody for a Zatanna story? There kind of isn't one. So you only really see her when she's popping up in other people's stories for the most part. You know, Justice League Dark, read that. But if you want to see just Zatanna at the head of the story, there isn't really a lot of that. Whenever it comes to condensing these characters, though, I think that usually for DC, the animated universe did a really good job. So if I wanted to say check out a Black Canary story, a lot of times I would literally just kind of send them towards Justice League or something like that because they have these one-off cartoons or Batman Brave and the Bold or something. They introduce a lot of these characters in kind of their purest form. So that makes it a lot easier to get people in DC Comics. Marvel doesn't really have (laughs) that (laughs) because their film and animated universe is incredibly convoluted. Yeah. And really just, I mean, if we're going to look at Jean Grey, for instance, really doesn't do Jean Grey any favors, really (laughs) doesn't do Storm any favors. So you kind of have to dig through this stuff, honestly. There isn't really a better way to do it. So what I would do is just give them something that's easier to give them. (laughs) Give them something that doesn't have 500 years of history (laughs) behind it. You know, something that's just easier for them to pick up. And that could be any number, usually, of independent comics, honestly. Because once you get into Marvel or DC... There's just that bonkers continuity situation going on. And if you're not into that, then you're not... It's going to take you longer, basically, I would say, to get into those comics. And that's okay. Yeah, (laughs) There's other stuff out there for you. For sure, for sure. I think that's super good advice, especially about the obscure characters, because I think that's just the reality. Like, there's Mm -hmm. a reason they're not being written, and it may not be a very good reason, but it's still out there. The other thing that I always think about is if you can hand someone a comic or hand them a book or send them a link to the site of the, the book or tell them about your libraries program. I swear we're not like sponsored by libraries. (laughs) I just really love the library. Um, But if you can do that, anything where you're actually with someone is going to be meaningful. We really underestimate the power of word of mouth. 
80% of the books I read for pleasure are because someone said, listen, you have to read this. Mm -hmm. And I read from a lot of genres, so I'm a little bit more accepting than the average bear probably. Also, bears can't read. Um, But if a friend is handing me a book or I hear an author I like talk about their influences someone sends an article and then I find out who wrote the article as an author as well. I think that's how I found Roxanne Gay's work. Mm -hmm. Someone sent me an amazing article of hers. And then I was like, what? What? Must know more. Um, But I think when we do that, we're saying like, I know you, I see you, and I see this thing, and I want to help you match them. Mm -hmm. And even if you don't get it right, it it still means more to come from someone who knows you. Mm-hmm. Like, I've probably recommended Infidel to, like, too many people who don't like horror. <laughs> but I think because I'm like, oh, you care about social justice. Oh, you care about Islamophobia. Oh, like, you're trying to get into graphic literature. Trust me, this is a great book. And I think that the people who've read it have been like, okay, seriously, I don't read horror. So could you please stop <laughs> giving me horror books? But also, they've been really... Like, wow, I would have never, ever seen this book had it not been for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, the tool, especially people like you, Sarah, who've been reading comics for, what, 25 years? Yeah. 30 years? <laughs> it's 35,000 <laughs> years. Since um, the beginning of time. <laughs> actually, Sarah wrote the first comic book. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think that you have such an encyclopedic knowledge, but it's inside you so you have a better sense of you know who you can recommend something to than you probably realize because you're put, you're sort of looking through a bigger rolodex than say i am who has like a lot less of your fewer years reading comic books but just you know i think it's still worth it it's still worth it to give individual recommendations to people it's still worth it to to think about like oh, okay i really want my friend to try this graphic novel what do they like to read Okay, how do I cross tabulate? Okay, they like horror, they like romance, they like whatever. Okay, this is your best version of that. For me, that's always been the best way for me to find books that I never would have read otherwise. You know, I trust my friends. For mainstream superhero comics too, I would say, just think of whenever you got into those comics, you probably just walked into the middle of a continuity mess. That's if you're an X-Men fan, you certainly did. (laughs) There's no other way to walk into that franchise other than in the middle of a story forever. Just think about how you were personally appealed to by these stories that didn't necessarily make a lot of sense. So I would say if you have one issue where Poison Ivy is really great or Jean Grey is really great, feel okay just handing that to somebody out of context and just be honest about how out of context it is. Because that might still really appeal to them, because that's definitely how I got into comics, was by just picking up these comics, opening them up, not understanding anything, and seeing these little kernels, I guess, that I could hang on to. So I would say, basically, you can go a whole lot of ways to try to get people into comics in general, and then trying to get somebody into a character who is so kind of obscure in a way and these mainstream comics that aren't really obscure so it puts you in this very strange position some of those characters haven't been written great and of course with female characters it makes it a lot more difficult for you to be able to be like oh here's the great Zatanna arc that was told because almost nobody cared about that character for a long time besides like oh I think she dated Batman one time or something like that obviously Zatanna is a hugely interesting character But even 
If you ask me what my favorite things are of Zatanna is to be, I really liked her first appearances whenever she was in the old Hawkman series in like the 60s. I liked that one time when she appeared, (laughs) you know, like it's always random, these very small things. And then a lot of it is just being really upset that somebody didn't follow up with that character and didn't really follow through with it. And that's just an unfortunate reality of mainstream superhero comics. Absolutely. We can try, but (laughs) if somebody's kind of turned off by that sprawling continuity, then chances are they're not going to get into it anyway, you know? But I think it was also really good advice then if you think you have someone who is not going to be able to tolerate that. Like if someone doesn't like the MCU movies, I don't know if they're going to like the way comics are interconnected. Considering that they're even more complicated. Oh my gosh, right? (laughs) And also completely different origin stories based on who's writing what. Yeah. It can get really confusing and I think... You're getting into a mess basically no matter what you do with Exactly. But the idea of like then instead going to an indie comic or a web comic. Yeah. You know, like finding something that's either uh, a little easier to access or collected pieces. What reminds you of what you didn't get to see Jean Grey do. There's other comics out there. You can recommend anything that's an independent story that maybe encapsulated a little bit of it. Um. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I think I think that's really good advice. And I think I, I really also really like that you said you just have to prepare people for it. Mm-hmm. I was ne- I just like read comics because I was like sick of not having read them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just jumped in and I was like, what? I think I was reading uh, the Whedon run of the Uncanny Avengers. Mm-hmm. And I was like, in the middle, it switched complete storylines. Yeah. And I just I, I just stopped reading. Yeah. Later, when I'd read other comics like Deadpool, Captain Marvel, slash Miss Marvel, all that, I started to understand, oh, like, I can either go on these tangents and read these crossovers, I can skip forward some issues, I can read these and not understand what's happening, but enjoy the pretty pictures, which is like a silver lining with comics, always pretty pictures, no matter what. And I think that if you tell people that, people will be prepared and be able to be more flexible and say, okay, fine, I have no idea who this tiny flying dragon is, but Kitty Pride likes the dragon, I like the dragon. We're good, you know? And it's like a serial format, too, anyway. Yeah. So we're never going to see the last issue of Batman, you know? We're never going to see the last issue of a lot of these comics. So even if not now, you can, you know, that's kind of the thing. You can jump into it, leave it <laughs> whenever you want. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. This episode's comic of the week is Saga of the Swamp Thing by Alan Moore and Steve Bissett. The colorist is Tatiana Wood. A whole lot of other people involved in that comic over time. Swamp Thing was created by Len Wein. Comic of the week. (laughs) Hello. So I am choosing the first comic of the week, Sarah. Oh. I am. Oh. I'm telling you right now. That's great. Saga of the Swamp Thing by Alan Moore and uh, Steve Bissett. I chose it as my first comic of the week because of the new and newly canceled adaptation on DC Universe's streaming service. Um, Forget that it's canceled. Whatever. It might find another life. It might not. The series is wonderful. And and I, and I already loved Swamp Thing so, so much. I think if you ask me, like, what is my heart's comic book... It's Saga of the Swamp Thing. I just, oh, I just love it so much. And I think that Alan Moore did some really incredible work with it. And then the other author is Baptiste, is that what you said? Oh, um, the artist. Artist, uh, yes, thank you. Steve Bissett. Steve Bissett. His run started in 1984. And Moore today is super well known, right? Like he's Watchmen, V for Vendetta, Promethea. The list goes on and on. But he was relatively unknown at the time that he got assigned Saga the Swamp Thing. And the series itself was headed towards cancellation. And so that's kind of why they were like, all right, we'll give it to this new writer who's written like a couple things, but whatever. And once Moore got his hands on the project, he was like, yes. And he started changing things, not only about how Swamp Thing acts and presents, but also about the very fabric of the lore around Swamp Thing. From the opening pages of the run, when you open that first issue or you open one of the collected volumes, it's clear you're in for something different. And that's what I think is so attractive to me. In earlier arcs, Swamp Thing was the man, Alec Holland, who had been turned into a monster by a freak accident slash sabotage at his lab in the bayou. In Moore's hands, the story turns from being a man who is a monster to a monster who is not a man. 
more retconned Swamp Thing's origin, reading the lab accident as the moment Holland died and his consciousness became infused into the swamp. Swamp Thing even develops vegetative organs that mimic human ones, but don't really do anything functional like pump blood. But he has like, or I'm sorry, they have a heart, but it doesn't do anything. Again, because they're mimicking this other form. And so as Swamp Thing begins to understand that Holland's humanity is not Swamp Thing's, but instead the echoing consciousness of someone long gone, Swamp Thing is liberated and suddenly begins to explore their relationship to the green, which is the collective consciousness slash circulatory system that connects all plant life on our planet, which we all know. So that's just normal stuff. (laughs) Um, At one point, Swamp Thing even rejects the name Alec when Abby calls them that. Though later, Swamp Thing's like, all right, cool. Alec's fine. So suddenly this, this character who was previously male, previously human, becomes... someone outside of the gender binary not necessarily intentionally but certainly effectively i don't i'm not i don't think more was like i'm gonna write a non-binary character no but it certainly reads that way and it it, does yeah it's kind of amazing yeah and it feels weird even because i'll notice a lot of times whenever i'm writing about swamp thing you you like will refer to him as he a lot and it always feels weird because to me swamp thing obviously is a non-binary character and i think you actually wrote about that too yeah i've written about it before and and that's a perfect segue because as a non-binary person i claim swamp thing as the envy monster we'd all like to mash Elsewhere, I've used they, them pronouns for Swamp Thing when writing about them. And I'm just going to keep doing that because though I don't think non-binary folks have to use gender-inclusive pronouns to be non-binary, anyone who's non-binary says they are. But I'm going to continue using they for Swamp Thing. I just think it, it, it feels wrong, like you were saying, to use he, him. It just isn't who Swamp Thing has become. So much of his story is about him breaking with his, like, man self. Like, a lot of his story is him getting away from male figure. A lot of that. So, to me, yeah, it's it's strange. I've definitely written about him before and been like, I think they is a much better term because even Swamp Thing themselves, like, would be probably a little bit skeptical as you say don't call me alec like i'm not alec i'm not this person so it becomes representative right and if that if that if the book had appeared and or was about to appear in 2020 versus 1984 i i I have no doubt what pronouns they would be using Mm -hmm. um so so swamp thing becomes this symbol of a sort of a quiet queerness the kind that's really easily alighted and, and forgotten. Swamp Thing is really comfortable with their existence, their connection to the green, and their attraction to this human witch, Abby Arcane. At the time, her last name's Cable, because she's married to someone else, but he sucks, don't worry, he goes away. He's good later. He becomes Matthew the Raven from The Sandman, and that's great, but he's really struggling in Saga of the Swamp Thing. <laughs> I can't even say words. My mind was just blown. I had never effing figured out that he's the raven. Oh, my God. Oh, Sarah, you know so much. It blows my mind. I just have to, like, think for, like, a moment. Okay, so now I've made connections that weren't there before. Holy crap. Okay. Uh, <coughs> all right, yeah. He becomes the raven in... Sandman, and he actually becomes very cool. He has an arc. It's very cool. It's very cool because, you know, and he is this sort of like, I think that he's not necessarily a bad character. He's just his his worst self. 
the very possible worst version of Matt Cable yeah. we see in Saga of the Swamp Thing. But that's why it's so important whenever he does do his redemption arc later and he will stand by his friends and he tries his hardest and all of that, he becomes a better character later. You can too, readers. <laughs> you too can have your mind blown listening to our podcast. That really messed with me. Um, so while Swamp Thing's transness and queerness may not be widely recognized and embraced, it is irrefutable. Sarah alluded to this, but like, think about how Abby and Swamp Thing get busy. They don't bone down like the rest of humanity because Swamp Thing doesn't have genitalia. They do, however, have the ability to produce a psychedelic tuber. That's right, folks. In lieu of human copulation, Swamp Thing offers Abby a trip on a vegetable grown from their own side. They, like, pluck it, and the two of them take a bite and go on this just bizarre-as-all-get-out trip. This is a cool example of how the panels can be used creatively. They actually tip across the page, and suddenly you have to read the comic um, hamburger style instead of hot dog style. Uh, <laughs> that's the technical term, I believe. Yes. Um, so when you read it hamburger style <laughs> while they're having this, like, sexy trip... Uh, let's just say, like, you know, you might want to get back on Tinder. I don't know. Your own thing. <laughs> There's a lot of queer allegory in that just because, obviously, whenever, you know, how do they have sex is, like, totally something that, like, lesbians forever get asked. And then indicates, of course, that she'd been dissatisfied in a lot of her other relationships. When it's What I love about the moment, and this thing I was actually, when I was thinking about this earlier, because I think about Saga was one thing all the time, I was thinking about how the first time it was lost on me that, Swamp Thing is still probably asexual mm -hmm. because this isn't sex. This is romance. This is intrigue. This is attraction. This is all these things that lots of asexual people experience. And it might be something that gives a physical sense of satisfaction, but for Swamp Thing, it's obviously a different experience than it is for Abby. Absolutely. But it's awesome for both of them. They both have yes. a great time, which, once again, all of the like queer allegory of this is... Really off the charts. Yeah. I, I think that actually when I first read it, that was the moment that I was like, oh my goodness, this character is not part of the gender binary. Like none, none of this, none of these terms we sort of use for Swamp Thing makes sense. Yeah. Basically, if you haven't read more Saga of the Swamp Thing, let's just say you're missing out on some sensual, witchy, queer goodness and a healthy dose of alarm regarding climate crisis. <laughs> yeah. So please pick it up, enjoy it, and you won't regret it. Thanks for listening to Bitches on Comics, the podcast that is here to answer your comic book questions and our own. If you'd like to ask us a question, email us at bitchesoncomics at gmail.com, b.tchesoncomics at gmail.com. Gmail does not like the word bitch, so if you leave the I in, we won't get your email. So make sure you leave the I out. There is no I in bitch. You can find out more about us and this podcast at bitchesoncomics.com. If you like what we do and want us to keep doing it, there are many ways you can show your support, including becoming patrons at patreon.com slash bitchesoncomics. Also, please feel free to rate and review us so that more people can find out about us. We appreciate your support. 
Sound is recorded by Kate Warner, who plays in the band Churchfire, who you can follow at churchfiremusic.com. Theme music is by Earth Control Pill, and you can follow her work at earthcontrolpill.bandcamp.com. I'm Sarah Century, and you can find my work at sarahcentury.com. Follow me on Twitter or Instagram. I'm S.E. Fleenor, and you can find me at sefleenor.com. I'm also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. This is Bitches on Comics, and we're recording in Denver, Colorado. We want to recognize the indigenous peoples who have inhabited and do inhabit this land. The Arapaho Nation, the Ute Nation, the Cheyenne Nation, and other sovereign nations who have been erased from our history and collective memories through colonization. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.